0: Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. Today's guest has devoted his life to helping suffering and persecuted people around the world. Our guest today is Ray Barnett. He is a Northern Ireland-born minister who immigrated to Canada in the late 1950s. He's the founder of Friends in the West, which is a Christian-based human rights organization that helped secure the release of numerous Christians imprisoned for their faith. He is also the founder of the African Children's Choir. We're going to hear his life story and how he founded the African Children's Choir. That's today on Connections. We're joined again today for part two of our conversation with Roy Barnett. He is the founder of the African Children's Choir. He is also the founder of Friends in the West. Yesterday, we were discussing with him how he had moved on to find a job with the ministry of the Methodist Church. And at one point, he was in charge of hosting... And at one point, he was in charge of planning a convention in Stockholm. And there was one young journalist that he met that had wanted to come along for this trip. But she said, I don't believe in God. I just I just want to come along. But she needed to get a passport. And when she went to get that passport, she was denied because she lied. And the main reason she wanted to go on this trip was not to cover the story, but to meet a grandmother that she had never met yet. Now, Ray, what happened from there? This young lady eventually had a huge impact on your life.
1: So being very still very young and um, strong faith I said well um, uh, would you change your mind about the Christian uh way of life if if we went back down to the embassy and you got the visa oh she said that couldn't that couldn't happen she said it's a very small part of the same two or three people in there it you know was this search section off the street where People went in to do such things, and I said, well, how about this? Why don't I put my faith in trial? And if I take you down there and you get the visa, though you say it's impossible, uh, would you think then that there was something to the Christian message? <laughs> so she said, okay, but she said they're going to throw me out again. So it was nearly rush hour, so we had to rush down the main part of Stockholm and I stopped outside the Soviet uh, uh, mission or consulate, whatever it was there, and uh, she said, well, aren't you coming in with me? I said, Krista, I can't park my car. here. It's rush hour. I'll park it and quickly come. And, but she said, what on earth am I going to? She was no longer the journalist. She was this young lady trying to figure out what to do. And I said, well, um, why don't you go in and apologize to them for lying? them in the first place and then tell them that the reason you lied you'd heard these bad things about the soviet union and you you thought if they knew you were going to visit her grandmother with all the things that you would heard maybe she'd end up in a in a prison somewhere and so um she said i just wanted to apologize and they give her the visa right there on the spot and by the time I was coming to get in to help. She was out holding her passport up, and she went to uh, Estonia the next day, and I didn't realize at that time uh, that was an action that was going to change my life forever because when she went to Estonia, uh, Tallinn, uh, the people were lined up at a registered church all day to hear these Canadians and Americans and it was a big thing, but the pastor's son and daughter had asked the Lord to help, the, to help them find the most dedicated uh, uh, person who had come to visit. And the, they picked out Krista and took her hidden in their car out to the forest where there was a, an unregistered meeting of young people uh, going on so that she could see really what was happening, and uh, give her a big sheaf of documents and uh, ask her to try and, and get them to someone. And she challenged me. She said, Ray, could you take care of this? And they were all addressed "Dear friend in the West, and that's how the, the name Friends in the West. So a good part of my life was helped. It was at that time describing a man in assembly called Georgie Vins who was suffering badly, and his mother was in prison, his son was in prison, they're all uh, church people, and uh, that that led to me changing the direction of my life and helping people who were in need. It worked out uh, uh, after wondering what to do. I went to the United Nations with the documents in New York and uh, met a man called Guy Wiggins who was... Uh, an American diplomat, but he was posted to the U.N. uh, uh, dealing with social issues, uh, uh, humanitarian issues. And he told me, he said, Ray, it's it's no point. uh, The Soviets would just block this. And uh, he said, "I, I, I like your spirit, what you're doing. He said, would you like me to go with you to Washington and see if we can get some help from the United States Congress, which led to a bill going through the United States Congress. We went and met a congressman at that time, uh, John Buchanan, who'd been a Baptist minister in in San Antonio, Texas, and he said, look, this won't do any good, but if you write what you think should be a resolution, I'll introduce it, and it will be on the record. He called me a couple weeks later in Vancouver, in Canada, and he said, Ray, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? He said... There's over 100 congressmen want to co-sponsor this film. He said it's unheard of. And uh, could I organize Foreign Relations Committee hearings? And I said yes. I didn't quite know what that would mean. But uh, I took on the task, and uh, eventually it was voted out of Foreign Relations Committee to the Congress. It passed the Congress and then went to the Senate, and it was the last day of the Senate under the Ford administration and uh, uh, by midnight, if it didn't pass, then it it was squashed. It would have to start all over again. And interestingly enough, the man who called me was uh, uh, the former vice president, Hubert Humphrey. And he said, Ray, this is coming from the other side of the Senate, but I want you to know we're going to get this bill passed for you tonight. So, and the, it was a very exciting thing and i thought great i got this pass now uh what good is it going to be so i i put it in my pocket and to be quite honest with you i i didn't even realize how significant it would become until later on by this time i'd uh, uh I'll just catch you up i had uh, uh gone to Idiomen, uganda because he'd put to death over half a million people and uh, was involved there. And then while I was there, I remembered that, uh, um, you know, I should do something about this bill that passed the Congress and the Senate. So I thought I need to go to Berlin and try and get to East Berlin and meet a man called Wolfgang Vogel, whom I'd read a story about— He was the person that was the in-between for the U-2 pilot who was shot down during the Eisenhower administration in the Soviet Union. And then eventually a lawyer went out from New York and met this East German lawyer, and uh, he was exchanged for a KGB agent. And I thought maybe I could go and see that same man and... uh, uh, I'm in Uganda wondering, I had a ticket back to Canada, but I didn't have extra money to make a side trip to Berlin. So there was a gentleman sitting there in very difficult times in Uganda. And I was taking pictures with my camera and he asked me if I would sell the camera to which I immediately agreed and that gave me the money to go to London with a return ticket back to London so that I could continue with my journey back home. Eventually, with the contact, um, who was head of the Berlitz School in West Berlin, he helped me to go to East Berlin and uh, meet with Wolfgang Vogel, which I told him why I was there, and I told him why I had come, because I'd read about him years earlier, and uh, I wondered if he could help, and I uh, told him who it was, George Evans, and... You know, I assumed he'd know everything about that, but he actually didn't know who that was. And uh, he said, well, what have you got? And I had a little clipping from Time magazine. And uh, um, then I said, oh, I've got this other thing. And I took out of my pocket the the, the, the a copy of the bill that passed the Congress and the Senate. And even though we're working through an interpreter, I could see when he looked at it, his eyes changed. And uh, uh, so then he figured maybe I was a back channel, you know, in the government just like before or something like that, you know. So he said, uh, look, um, I, I, I," he he said, I'll I'll see. Uh, I'll look into this. And three weeks later, I was in Seattle and um, had an address down there where I was working. And and I, I got a letter from him, mailed in West Berlin, saying, Mr. Barnett, what you ask is difficult, but please be assured I'm attending to it. And that led to the um, release of George Vins. He then became part of a an exchange for some agents, uh, KGB agents, uh, and uh, uh, George Evans came out with three uh Jewish dissidents in the Soviet Union and his whole family, and that led to other such uh, exchanges and deals for people who were who were in in prison in the Soviet Union, and uh, that led to the Western hostages in Beirut. And I'm sure at the time we have too long of a story, but uh, uh, wherever people were suffering, um, especially. Uh, people who, uh, you know, who couldn't do anything to help help themselves, uh, I got involved with as many cases as I could.
0: Did you ever imagine yourself ever going down this path?
1: No, uh, I, I didn't because uh, at that point, most of my, uh, a lot of my life was still ahead of me and uh, it ended up with, you know, starting the African Children's Choir. Because of my time in EDMN's Uganda. And, you know, I would see famines and everything and go out there, maybe with the team from Vancouver to see if we could help. And I thought, you know, I saw all the emaciation of thousands of children sitting with tin cups. And uh, I thought, you know, uh, this is all the world sees of these children. And uh, the prime minister in Uganda at that time, called me to come and see him. And uh, um, I told him I was probably going to go to northern Uganda because they had both civil war and the famine that swept Ethiopia was also in part of Uganda. And he said, Ray, an hour from here uh, in an area called Fawero. There's thousands of orphans. And at that time, United Press International had Uh, had uh, dubbed that area the killing fields of Africa. And uh, he said, could I go there to help? And, uh, you know, I I, I told him, you know, my disappointment with just seeing emaciated children and uh, the world needed to see the potential of the African child. And I told him when I had been there like a couple of years earlier, uh, doing a book on the idiom in time and, uh, uh you know, this little boy I gave a ride to. And uh, he, he, we were in northern Uganda. His auntie, she, they were just a normal family, and we were going to the next village, and she asked us, could we take his son to It was holidays to visit his auntie? And the little boy sang for us, and we recorded it in an old cassette recorder, and then uh, that kept us going for days, and I explained that story to him. He said, well, what would you do? I said, well, maybe an African children's choir. So that was 1984. And nine months later, the first African children's choir came to Vancouver. And uh, now that's uh, been going around the world since then. And those kids uh, have done what I believe needed to be done. They've shown the potential of the African child. They're doctors, they're lawyers, they're uh, television broadcasters, they're social workers—everything that you can imagine—and a very strong family. And the choir's still going. And
0: and, uh, and pretty much everybody in Canada knows now uh, who the yeah. African Children's Choir is.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. They they go around the world, and uh, but their their alumni uh, do is uh, proud. I just heard about one little girl we got in Uganda during the genocide on top of a pile of bodies. Her mother must've pushed her down. And, uh, today she's the United States air force officer and nurse, you know, so, um, it, it, it's just absolutely amazing because they've never been raised to be orphans. They've been raised to be part of our family. Like if, uh, the only time you don't eat is if I don't eat, you know, so, uh, uh, that's it, and uh, it, it's still going, schools, uh, Sudan, teachers, college, and that's all been accomplished through the African Soldiers Choir, and all started in Canada.
0: That's amazing.
1: Canada story. yeah. Cool. And it's,
0: uh, going yeah. back to your... And one thing, Ray, that you've mentioned throughout this entire conversation and throughout your entire story is your faith. How important is your faith in all of this?
1: well it, it it's because of faith um it was when I was fourteen um I was confronted uh, you know I, I like a lot of other children I went to Sunday school and church in the Anglican Church in Ireland and uh, called the Church of Ireland there and uh but then um I was confronted about you know uh, real commitment and Uh, coming to the point where knowing that uh, Jesus died on the cross for me and uh, uh, that he would accept me and uh, forgive me and uh, make me part of the family of God. So uh, then um, I told the man who told me about it uh, that I had gone to my home at lunchtime and where I was working and got on my knees and... uh, prayed that prayer to be accepted into the family of God. And uh, uh, I said, well, what else? Well, the guy was actually shocked because he didn't know it would be that simple. Somebody would accept it just and went and wasn't going to say anything about it, just went and prayed the prayer. And then he said, well, uh, you know, you have to confess publicly. So he was a lay preacher and going to be preaching in the city of Londonderry the next Sunday night insisted I come along and stand up. I said, I can't do that. and But he called me up anyhow. I, I immediately fainted and passed out on the platform. And they had to sort of get me off. And when I was coming to, before anybody knew it, I breathed up a prayer and said, Lord, I'm going to do this every time I'm asked. Even if I faint, it's up to you. And then the next day I read, with God, nothing's impossible what you only believe so that's been the driving force of my life believing that God can do anything and uh, you know I've learned that uh, you know people talk about different things and miracles but i I've learned that when you uh, when you pray then God gives you wisdom maybe who to talk to and uh, uh, gives you knowledge and uh, you know, what contacts to make. And when you put it all together, it becomes a miracle.
0: Ray, you've now put together a memoir. What inspired you to write this? And for those interested in picking up your memoir, how do they go about doing that?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I, um, uh, I never wanted to write a memoir, but uh, uh, two people uh, who was part of my life, they were both army officers. One was in England. And the other was in America. They didn't know each other. But both of them said to me, within a couple of weeks apart, you need to write your story because you've got a big family from the African Children's Choir. I've been a legal guardian for about 1,300 children just in the choir, you know, through the choir alone over all the years. And uh, uh, the story should be there for them of faith and uh, what can be done uh, was stepping out in faith. So uh, eventually I, I got the book, and uh, it's, uh, the the title is uh, "It's My Story, But Don't Tell Me It Can't Be Done, because when I wanted to do anything, everybody said it can't be done. And then my answer was always, don't tell me it can't be done. So they could get more information uh, from raybarnett.com, Uh, as to how to get the book, uh, uh, you know, and the different places where it's going to be released.
0: Thanks for joining us over the past couple of days, Ray. Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation again, you can always do that by visiting your radio station's website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.